0: Hebrews 11th chapter verse 6 says this. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I was listening to the radio a couple of weeks ago and I heard about this program. And I don't know where they were doing this but they were... Paying kids to do well in school. I don't know what the the, the scale was and stuff like that. But it created quite the controversy. Uh, Interestingly enough, enough, the kids started doing a lot better in school. But uh, a lot of people started saying, you know, that's not right. We shouldn't have to pay people to do the right things and da-da-da-da-da. And while I can understand that, and, and it's a fair debate to have certainly what the reward should be, I think people make a mistake when they think that there should not be any rewards. In fact, there should be rewards for good behavior. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. I know people who raise their kids and never, you know, show me no rewards, just everybody da 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 Just very idealistic, though. And, and uh, as you've heard me over the last year talking about uh, what I believe one of the major problems in the church Uh, throughout the world uh, particularly in this country is the the whole feminization of the church and how we've girlified everything and one of the things in a feminine culture particularly the one that's today and I'm not thinking it's a healthy one but it exists but it's this idea that people should just give and just give and expect nothing in return la 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 well it might work good in a female world but it doesn't work in the real world concerning men all right? And, uh, and by the way, I want to make a pitch again for this role of the man thing that he talked about. You see these flyers? Manly man. It's a picture of me. With a... No, it's not. But uh, uh, it's a picture from that movie 300. How many of you guys seen 300? <laughs> Isn't that a great movie? <laughs> so violent and gross. I love it. But... Uh... But they're manly men, men who fought for something and believed in something. And I was a rawr, 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 rawr. anyway, we're doing this role of the Man" thing, October 19th and 20th. We're gonna teach men how to be men. And I say that not to knock them down. I'm talking about to empower them. A lot of guys, they don't know what to do today. You know, all this feminized nonsense over the last 30 years in this country. Guys don't know what to do. You know, you see a woman coming, do you open the door for her, do you trip her on the way in. What are you supposed to do anymore? And we're going to teach them biblically how to be a real man. You guys need to be here or we're going to kick your butts later. So get in here and get part of this thing because it's going to be awesome. And get your teenage boys, drag their behinds in with you. They need to hear this stuff. How to be a real man. I love this stuff anyway okay now the Bible definitely teaches that God rewards obedience despite those who think there should not be any rewards tied to it in fact in my seminars I teach women about rewarding and and that kind of stuff with men and I get more static about that from women than anything else because they've got this over romanticized over spiritualized nonsense that's not based in reality look at Luke the 16th chapter Jesus gave this command give Now he was like a lot of women that's all he just said but he didn't He kept on talking. And it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Check it out. The command, one word, give. The promise, 35 words. Throughout the Bible, God has always used incentive to motivate men to do the right thing. Some say, well, is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know. I think it's just fine. I got this little quote from my book that's coming out in, in uh, April it's taking forever to get it out but uh, um, uh, we're re- really excited about it but I want to read this little quote for you it says uh, many women live in a false romantic fantasy world that says the key to getting a loving response from your man is to give and give and give until they return the favor but it's not true the truth is if you keep giving and giving to a man he simply will take more and more he'll take as much as you'll give him you will discover you will burn out long before he returns the favor men generally do not give back without being asked to do so now this may make you hate all men forever but generally speaking the only reason men give is to get a reward and in a relationship as close as marriage there's no such thing as altruistic giving in a man's heart even things that look like giving are generally just bartering chips for something he wants if you want to get something out of your relationship with a man you have to take it from him it's the way it works women however are very uncomfortable in taking in the context of their relationships it goes against their very nature women constantly burn themselves out I don't know how many times you've ever heard a woman say I've given and giving till I can't give anymore I've got nothing left to give you ever hear women talk like that? that's what they do, they burn themselves right out they burn themselves out in a vain attempt to inspire the men in their lives to give back to them But giving more to men in order to motivate them may seem logical, even Christian, but there's a problem. It doesn't work. If you interview the women who do feel like their husbands are being responsible and doing their fair share of giving in the relationship, you will discover they are well aware that having a marriage with a giving husband does not happen naturally. They had to make some demands from their husbands. Sadly, these women are in the minority. Most women sit around with their hearts constantly broken, living with the false assumption that if a man really loved them, he would attend to all their whims and needs, just like their boyfriends did when they were dating. These women don't understand that men act the way they do during the dating season for one reason and one reason only, to win the girl. They never cared and gave for the sake of caring and giving. Men don't do that. Men understand dating niceness is the price they must pay for the prize. The girl. But now that the prize has been secured, there are other things to do, other things to take. Then I go along in the book and I tell women how to turn that around in their relationships. But they've got to change the way they think. Now interestingly enough, the Bible condemns a lot of things about men. There's a lot of things we can do wrong and the things that we don't do right, blah, 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 blah. But it never condemns their need for incentives. The Bible is full of incentives in order to move men towards obedience. Is it possible that God actually created men that way in the first place? I believe that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that scenario. Look at the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 11, Moses comes out and says, See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. There's the rewards and there's punishments. It's been like that throughout all of God's dealings with men. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God. And turn away, uh, turn from that way I've commanded you by following other gods uh, which you have not known. Later in Deuteronomy, he says this. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Gee, which would you rather have? Life, death, death. For I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But, if you turn your hearts away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. Now choose life, he says. So that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has always used rewards and and incentives, the very concept of heaven and hell, pretty gigantic rewards, and on the other hand, even in the New Testament, look at this, in Revelations, the last book in the Bible, Jesus is speaking, and he says, he who has an ear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is the Spirit trying to say? To him who overcomes, the one who does the right thing, he says. And you have to understand, in this context, he's writing to Christians who, in many cases, it was going to cost them their very lives to obey and to follow Christ to the very end. He called it overcoming. And to those who overcome, what was the reward? I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Later on in Revelation, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Later on, he who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. A little bit later, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And toward the end of the book of Revelations, he finishes with this one, he who overcomes will inherit all this and I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile murderers, sexually immoral, those who practice the magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Ouch! This is the second death. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Now, as they said in the uh, video (laughs) that Phil put together, uh, showing our campaign kicking off, one of the things that they talked about ...in there as we do this campaign. What this campaign is, every year we try to raise extra money away from our normal giving... uh, ...so that we can advance the kingdom, so that we can do new things, that we can grow and advance. And I'll tell you what, when we first came here last year, the church was really doing very, very poorly financially... They were hundreds of thousands of dollars in the red. It was things were not looking good at all. And uh, it was a struggling time. And when we came into this, we thought, you know, it's alright. We're going to trust God and believe God for the very, very best. And I remember the banker telling us, you know, you need to quit spending money. You need to cut programs, program. You need to cut this. We ought cut, 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 cut. And I said, no, 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 no. We're not going to cut our way out of this. We're going to grow our way out of this. We're going to have a vision. We're not going to sit there and hide and build fences around ourselves. We're going to break out and move forward with the kingdom of God and in the last year what has happened has been amazing this last year has been a miracle and things are moving forward and we are excited about it now one of the things they talked about was this idea of tithing now if you don't know what tithing is this is a concept in the in the bible that goes way back to the very 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 beginning and it's the simple concept that says this if God blesses you you give 10 percent back to God. That's what the tithe means. This is something that's been around for thousands of years. Churches all around the world. uh, You see missionaries. You see hospitals. You see uh, all these things that are done. uh, Christian broadcasting. All these things are done. How is it made possible? Because people by and large that support this are people who tithe. They give 10% of their income back into the kingdom of God and this transforms things. These churches some of the largest churches in America. The ones that are really growing and stuff. They have the majority of their people tithe. Some as high as 80 90% of their people. And they are able to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. Now put that into context here, where about 15% of our people do that. About 15% of our people tithe. Now that's not a slam on everybody else. We're not mad or anybody, you know, we don't have tithing and non-tithing sections in here when you sit down. You know, we're not pointing people out and stuff like that and and we appreciate whatever anybody does but man when you think about it man if at 15% if we would start really stepping up to the plate on this what a difference we could make for the kingdom of God now in all of this setting of blessings and promises and stuff like that one thing God does warn is don't tempt me don't test me don't push it or I'll knock you upside the head alright here's an example Uh, when the devil took Jesus and, and Jesus was in the in the wilderness fasting for 40, for 40 days, and and the devil comes and he starts tempting him at his weakest point, which is what the devil always does. When you're at your weakest and the worst, that's when the pressure starts hitting on your head. Anyway, the Bible says in Matthew that the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and he says to Jesus, "If you're the son of God," and this is classic satanic thinking, always getting you to doubt. "If you're the son." Does God really love you? Were you really born again? Does God really care about you? Those, those are the doubts that fill your head when you're struggling the most in your faith. And he says to them, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down off the big temple here. Go ahead, jump. For it is written, and then the devil quotes the Bible to Jesus. Phenomenal. He knows what's in the book. And he misquotes some, I mean, he quotes it verbatim. But this is what he says. He quotes from the Psalms that says that God will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So here's this big promise. Here's this reward. Go ahead and jump. God will take care of you. No problem. Well, Jesus responds to him. Look, it's also written. Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. You don't do that. You don't take God's promises and push the envelope and act foolishly. You disobey God, think, well, no, God will take care of me. You know, you're headed in for a world of trouble. Now, interestingly enough, of all the concepts in the Bible, promises, incentives, all the things that God has spoken to people about, there is one area where God changed the rule. And he said, go ahead, test me. Bring it on. Check it out. Push me on this one. See if it's really true. And it's in this area of tithing. Look at it in Malachi. God speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, "Uh, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, he says. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says this. The only time, you'll find this in the Bible, where God says, test me in this. Push it. See if I'll actually bless you in this area. And see if I will not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from destroying your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. It sounds like Jesus when he said give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Blessings will fall into your lap. If you will give. Scary thing to give because the thought is if I give I will surely die. If I give I won't have enough. If I give and God says test me on this it see if I won't answer and bless you now I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time and hand out these cards we are going to do something this church has never done in fact I dare say the majority of churches on the planet have never done it and this is called a tithe challenge you so go ahead and pass those out and get these into everybody's hands because I want them to read along with me in this concept. Will God really do this? And you have to understand, the reason most people don't do it is because they really don't believe it. I mean, if you really believed that if you gave, that your life would be so blessed, you'd be ahead than if you would have kept it, everybody would give. Why does not everybody give at this level? Because they don't believe it. And it's an easy thing not to believe it. It's a scary thing. I mean, you're, you're talking about doing something that it, to most people would make no sense, particularly non-Christians, but even to a lot of Christians. You know, they don't. Uh, uh, one of the uh, struggles that we have being this far north and away from the Bible belt, those churches in the south teach this all the time people are growing up with this concept a lot of the churches you and I were raised up in um, never talked about these kind of things man church I grew up in if you gave five bucks you were like wow holy cow you gave five bucks that's amazing that's just amazing five old dollars you know which is really jack it's amazing five dollars looks like a lot in church but not like a lot at the grocery store changes its perspective in the real world doesn't it well, I'm going to do this tithe challenge. And I want you to read this with me. Some of you still passing that out. Most of you have it now. It says, giving away 10% of your income can be a big and often frightening commitment. It will scare the willies out of you. That's why we created the three-month tithing challenge. It is a money-back guarantee of sorts. Essentially, it is a contract based on on the promises of God in Malachi chapter 3 the promises I just read to you where he says test me in this and see if you aren't better off now we commit to you that if you tithe for 3 months and God does not hold true to his promises of blessings we will refund 100% of your tithe no questions asked whoa whoa now flip it over on the back. You'll actually see terms. <laughs> this is a legal binding contract. We've had accounts look at this. Legal people look at this. This is the real deal. And I'm going to read the terms to you. Number one, I understand that this form must be completed and received by the Celebration Church accounting team prior to this three-month period. Okay. And number two, I understand that my household qualifies for this because we have not been tithing for the last six months. So if you've already tithing, this doesn't apply to you. This is for new people who've never done this, who just flat out, man, we've never done anything like this. We would, whoa, that would be tough to do. Number three, I understand that if I paid at a physical celebration church campus, my tithe must be paid by check or comp- pleaded offering envelope so that my tithe can be properly credited you throw a bunch of money just cash in the offering and say oh I threw $500 and i like it back <laughs> forget it Jack alright you've got to put it in an envelope or buy check so we can really see you gave it number four I understand that if I choose to pay my tithe online I must log in and register same deal so we can know it's coming from you number five I understand that I cannot seek a refund prior to the end of the three month period we're talking 90 days here people and that I cannot seek a refund of any contributions made prior to that period number six I understand that any request for the refund has to be received uh, by the chief financial officer all you gotta do is just call the church Uh, within 30 days at the end of the three month tithing challenge period we don't want to hear from you three years later oh by the way I don't want to cash in that deal Uh, number seven I would like to test God's faithfulness by accepting the three-month tithe challenge. I agree that for the three-month period, I state below, my household will contribute to God through Celebration Church a tithe equal to 10% of our income. You bring home 10 bucks. You give God a buck. That's how it works. At the end of the three-month period, if I am not convinced of God's faithfulness to bless my life as a result of my obedience in his word, then I will be entitled to request a refund of the full amount of contributions made during the 90-day period. And then finally, the three-month tithe challenge contribution is considered a conditional gift. You can't really credit it towards your IRS giving until the end of the three months. Um, period is over. Okay, so what are we doing? What we're saying is we really believe this stuff. We believe it. You see, it's one thing for churches to say they believe it, but then they don't back it up. I'm telling you, we'll back it up. You do this, and your life is not better. That you're not actually ahead financially. That you're blessed. That things seem to be working for you. That you actually seem to have more money left over than you did before you, you did this. I'm telling you, there's a difference between being blessed and not being blessed. You ever felt like you were not blessed or cursed? Where everything went wrong? No matter how much money you made, you never had enough. No matter how hard you worked, you're always in a hole. Things are always breaking. The refrigerator broke down. The car thing went out. We didn't know that was going to happen. la. la, 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 la. Anybody ever been there before? Lousy place to live. I'm telling you, when God blesses you, things start going right for you. You say, Do you believe it? I do. The question is, Do you believe it? Test me, God says. Check it out. Try it out. You say, Well, is it possible that I won't be better off? Yeah, it's possible. It is. There's sometimes extenuating circumstances. If you're doing something that's just canceling all the blessings of God in your life and you still give, you, you may not be blessed. You know, for example, you're an axe murderer and you tithe. God God probably won't bless you. <laughs> now, if you ask for your money back, we don't think you're an axe murderer. But you know what I'm saying, okay? Okay. Uh, and, and sometimes, you also have to, have to consider this. Sometimes God intentionally doesn't bless people for a reason. He wants you to change your life. He wants you to start doing something different. And you can even be in a state of faith and have that happen to you. I'm telling you, if God would have answered all of my prayers for financial blessings, I would not be in the ministry today. You wouldn't see me here. I'd still be in my business. Making money like a drunken monkey. Having a great life. Tithing. <laughs> I wouldn't be in the church. Why? Because things would have been going great for me. Sometimes God uses the fact that all, everything starts drying up, like in our thing. We felt forced back into the ministry because everything else was just drying up on us. See, will God do that? Well, yeah, sure. It's like when Elijah was in the Old Testament. The Bible says he was uh, hanging out in this place. It was a tree, nice tree to sit under, and this nice river of clean water. And the Bible says birds every morning brought him food check it out, what a great gig, you're hanging under the tree, the water's there, birds are bringing you cheeseburgers, life is good, (laughs) it's a beautiful thing, right, well then one day, the river dries up and the birds quit coming, suddenly Elijah felt led to move, interestingly enough, God didn't say anything to him, he could have stated, some people are just dumb as bricks, you know, they keep fighting it, you know, I'm just going to keep doing it, I'm trusting God, I'm trusting God, I don't know where God is, you know, and then you die, Sometimes God is drying up your world because he wants you to change. Okay? So that's a possibility as well. But I'm telling you, those are the exceptions. By and large, you do this, God will bless you. Because God's promises are true. We believe it and we'll back it in writing. So, you consider this. Now, you know, you might need a little time to to take this in this morning. But we're going to be talking about this over the next month. Encouraging people, step it up. You've got absolutely nothing to lose. You can't possibly lose on this deal. If what I'm telling you is not true... You just get it all back. No one will say a word. I will never know. I never know anyway. Don't ever tell me who does. She never tells me any of this stuff. You know, because cause I don't, I don't want to know. I just intentionally don't want to know. All right? And it's, it's a chance for you to truly test God in this area. The phenomenal thing is you do this, it'll change your life. It'll change your life and bless you. It'll change this church's life. It will be awesome. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and get ready to serve communion this morning and our musicians to come back up onto the platform. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. Putting your, put your money where your mouth is. Trust in God. But when you do it, that's when things change. You have to remember something. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. You want to. No, I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about anything. You know, you said lots of people have good intentions. Yeah, I meant to, I was going to, I'd li- really like to. La 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 la. You have to understand your your intentions don't mean jack. It just doesn't. All that matters is what you do. We live in a culture really that thinks, no, as long as your heart is okay, that's all that matters. We do. We just self-deceive ourselves in America. It's all about you know appearances and oh yeah I'd really like to and la 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 no we don't do anything you have to understand God doesn't care what you say so much it's what you do Jesus gave a phenomenal story once father had two sons comes to the first son says hey go to work in my vineyard that son said absolutely dad I love you man oh it's going to be great and he never went to the second son, said, Son, go work in my vineyard. He says, Oh, I hate that vineyard, stupid vineyard, gotta do that vineyard and stuff. Rah, rah, I hate it. And he went. Jesus asked the question Which one did the will of the Father? Well, the second one. Even though he didn't sound like he was too excited about it, the other one really said all the right things. Doesn't mean jack what you say. What do you do? That's what life is all about. Boy, we need to teach our kids this stuff. You need to do the right thing. If you'll do the right things in life, you will succeed. If you don't, you'll fail. It's just that simple. Now, we're getting ready to serve communion here this morning. And while it's important to be a part of the kingdom of God in giving and lots of other ways. It's just not about money. It's about everything. And it's important to be connected with God's kingdom in this way. But the most important step is that you, first of all, get connected to God. Are you a member of the kingdom? say, well, I go to church. Well, that doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than sitting in your garage all day will make you into a car. You go to church all your life and not really truly be changed. You need to be born again. You need to let Christ change you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's what we're celebrating right now with communion. The body and the blood of Christ. His body broken for us so we could be healed. His blood shed for us so we could have forgiveness of sins. You say, well, I'm not that bad of a guy. Well, that won't cut it. If you could have been a good enough guy, Jesus would have said, just be a good enough guy. He wouldn't have gone to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. Why did he go through that? Because it was the only way we could get right with God. You think you can be good enough? Lots of luck with that. You'll split hell wide open someday. All kinds of people think they're going to be good enough. They ain't going to make it. I'm telling you, the only way you can get to this stuff is by putting your faith in Christ. That's what all of this is about. And like us all, to bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. Now, I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer together. But if you have never prayed a prayer like this, if you'll mean this from the very bottom of your heart, you can start that first step toward being a part of the kingdom of God. Let's pray this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins I now surrender my life to you Amen